DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. You're listening to the Donald Thompson Podcast. I'm Jason Gillikin, CEO and executive producer at EarFluence, which produces this podcast. And today, we're going to share something that's a little different. Just about every day, Don gets asked for coffee or a virtual coffee from rising entrepreneurs so they can ask him advice on how to grow their companies or if their ideas have value. And even though he has no time for it, he quite often says yes. Well, we recorded one of those conversations with Malik McRae, CEO of SimplyWorks, who graduated from NC State with a BS in business and management entrepreneurship focus in 2019. Malik's business is off and running, and he has some great questions for Don on how to take the next step in growth. Here's your host, Donald Thompson. Just introduce yourself, your background, your company, and then just fire away, man. And however I can help, I'm, I'm happy to do. Absolutely. I absolutely appreciate it. So, of course, my name is Malik. I graduated from NC State with a business entrepreneurship degree. Um, I started working on my first business in college, late junior year. I was buying and selling products from established U.S. manufacturers and reselling them back on Amazon. You know, so it was a pretty passive business that I was able to build while in college. You know, so as I grew that business that first year, you know, I really started to see some of the challenges with those growing pains, um, you know, so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, how can I grow my business with the limited capacity that I do have, you know, so as I started working to expand that, and I was also working with some services, some other brands and things like that, I realized that what I was doing wouldn't scale as far as uh, promotion goes in Amazon selling. Um, so I started working on a technology solution with some co-founders. I rounded them up with diverse talents, um, you know, and say, hey, how can we program this understanding into a software solution that can reach, you know, more people, more businesses and create that similar type of impact? So for the last 10 and 11 months, we've worked on uh, the software play. We developed a three-step advertising solution 
you know, so someone with no experience promoting products on Amazon can come in and seamlessly deploy scalable advertising campaigns in just three steps. For a small business, that's, it's a great value add being able to, you know, really ex- expand your team size without adding the additional overhead. But, but for an enterprise, you know, that has hundreds or thousands of products sometimes, it really helps them get over that human capital uh, constraint that comes with product promotion. Um, and, you know, really that's how we got here today. So I'd love to, to ask some questions around that. But, you know, more specifically, where I think my questions are going to come are in uh, thought leadership. Um, you know, that's one of the key things that, you know, I admire about you and kind of how you approach content and that strategy. And I know it's important, uh, especially when you have these new and uh, disruptive ideas to communicate them. And that's really where I think my questions are going to come for, uh, during this call. No, I appreciate uh, the background on, on your business. And I think it's timely, number one, because with the pandemic, with the change in the way commerce is continuing to go, any insight and value add in and around e-commerce mm-hmm. right, is going to put you in the right discussion with, with all types of businesses because people are very much constrained, obviously, with getting people into a store today. Right. And so I think your, your timing is good. So fire away. How can I help? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So more specifically on the thought leadership, one of those things that I personally, you know, struggle with is, okay, you have these ideas that you want to communicate. Um, It's not necessarily you're facing imposter syndrome per se, but it's like, one, are you in, is there enough credibility to present some of these concepts publicly, for for example, on LinkedIn? And is there a specific type of stance that you should take when you're, you know, an earlier entrepreneur, a first-time founder even? And how how would you recommend kind of approaching communicating your ideas to a public audience? Yeah, so I think it's a great question. One of the things that I found is there's different ways that you can jump into a swimming pool. Right, you can dive all in, or you can dip your toe in the water, and you can gradually get fully uh, submerged. And mm-hmm. so, one of the things I would start with again: why you started your business, why you picked the market that you're in, what you're learning about that market, and then what are some things that you're continuing to read and refine? What other sources of information do you intake that you then can share? And that's right. number one, and that allows you to get started. Because the biggest thing in developing your own personal brand is developing the confidence to share an opinion mm. independent of what people may or may not think about that opinion. It's not really about the audience in the beginning. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of developing thought leadership content, it's about learning what you believe. Mm. That's right. That's right. The sharing of what you believe is a secondary component. What mm-hmm. do you believe? What do you right. think? What do you mm-hmm. forecast? your business and putting yourself out there is a courage and a confidence issue but both those things can be learned by dipping your toe in the water the other thing i would say is that you should become in general business a curator of other content that's good and be very simple if you like something that someone shares on linkedin about leadership about entrepreneurship about business about the economy comment on it Mm. like it Mm. share it Mm. Become a source within your network of somebody that identifies other good content. Absolutely. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, it's definitely something that I, I plan to get more engaged in um, and starting to do some of that, those micro uh, things, you know, commenting and things like that. But it's 
taking a stance. I think that's that's the key takeaway there. Take a stance on some of these concepts, especially when you don't and you see them, you know, start to actually happen. You're like, well, <laughs> should have taken that stance. That's exactly right. right. You know, so when it comes to networking with some of these, you know, thought leaders, I'm um, getting involved uh, with them, whether it's through webinars, whether it's on their comments and things like that. How do you approach, you know, opening some of those dialogues other than just going out there and doing it, which is what we're doing here. But how do you recommend, you know, open up some of those dialogues so that you are immediately a value add to this uh, thought leader or, you know, influencer? One, people love compliments if they're mm -hmm. sincere. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that if you read something from, in fact, there's a, there's a book called Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey mm -hmm. Moore. And this is an oldie but goodie in business, right? This book was written probably 20 plus years ago. And Jeffrey Moore was one of the first powerful business kind of thought leaders of, I don't know, this new economy, if you will, this digital space. But anyway, one of my colleagues, Kurt Merriweather, read something where Jeffrey Moore was talking about innovation in diversity and inclusion. He reached out to him, he sent the article to me, we both comment on it, we liked it. It was good stuff in thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion as a point of innovation. Mm. We then reached out to Jeffrey to see if he'd be on one of our podcasts. Mm. And he said, yes. Wow. Here's the thing, most people don't actually ask most people don't actually ask where there's a mutual benefit between the thought leader and you as the recipient so guess what if kurt or when kurt interviews jeffrey right he's going to get more time with somebody that we admire right right we're going to create the podcast then we're going to promote it that helps jeffrey's consulting business because he still's got to earn a living right Right? He doesn't make all of his income from writing books and saying smart things. He has a consulting business where he goes right. in and he works with clients. And so if through our promotion engine, we promote what he does, we're both having a win-win situation and there's value to that. Mm. Right Now, if we didn't ask, if Kurt didn't ask if he'd be willing to engage with us deeper, we would have never known. Mm. So it started from, we commented on something that he wrote. We liked it. It was authentic. We thought it was smart. We complimented him. It was authentic. We believed it. And then Kurt was strong enough, courageous enough just to ask, hey, listen, would you be willing to have a 15-minute dialogue and talk about some of the things we're doing? Maybe we can help each other. And right. he said, yes. Now, sometimes people say no. Sometimes people ignore you. It doesn't matter. It just mm -hmm. means put yourself out there and try. But right. the key is, authentic because right. a lot of people will link with you on LinkedIn. They'll forward your stuff and then they're immediately calling you to sell you something mm. immediately. That's not a digital relationship built on real connectivity. Mm -hmm. It's based on you being a number and nobody really likes that. So we right. can all kind of tell when there's potential authentic opportunity for synergy. And I typically respond to those. And just like in your case, you and I met, I was on a webinar, I think Gabriel Gonzalez, is that right? Yes, that's right. In invited me to come and speak to an entrepreneur accelerator class. I was happy to do it. I shared some ideas. You reached back out and said, hey, listen, what do you think about getting a few more minutes? I've got some specific questions. Mm -hmm. My answer was yes, it might take a few weeks, but mm -hmm. I'm happy to do it. Right. And then right. you and I are developing a network 
And now our networks are there to help each other. And so I think it's, it's pretty simple as long as things align. Now, if you right. were building a pottery business, pottery businesses are amazing, right? Right. You're building an e-commerce digital business, a tech founder. These are things I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So me and you knowing each other can have value now or in the future. So I said, yes. Right. It's a great response. Thank you. And I'd love to switch gears there, you know, and, and move more into that technology focus. You know, so one of the challenges that we faced when we're bringing the solution to market is similar, you know, you think about self-driving cars, how they first entered the market. People weren't, were a little bit wary about, you know, handing over their, their lives really to technology. Um, and one of the things that we're asking is for these businesses now to hand over their entire promotion to technology. You know, and it's a and it's a kind of a change of uh, practice, change of behavior. Um, you know, and what businesses typically do. So, could you provide any type of insight into maybe, uh, in, in even if you're, you know, you had instances there when you brought disruptive technologies to uh, a new market, how did you approach that education process? You know, or is it something where you just got to find the customers that are ready to to adopt and adopt early? Now, it just so happens you should read Jeffrey Moore's book because crossing mm. the chasm is really good because it really? talks about how to take technology and find those early adopters mm -hmm. uh, is one of the key things in there. But anyway, but one of the things that I would also recommend is start with businesses that I don't want to say don't have any other choice, but that are looking for innovative ways to start and do free trials, mm. case studies, mm -hmm. because you've got to figure out a small way to pilot something before somebody is gonna fully trust what you're doing. Right. So instead of going after a client and saying, look, this is how we can take over your whole stack of e-commerce, we're expert in Amazon, we're gonna take you to the moon. They're like, yeah, sounds good, but no, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Versus, right, hey, listen, what's an underperforming product that you have mm. that you'd like to think about a different way of taking it to market on Amazon? Mm -hmm. We'd love to test out our new technology with you on that. Mm pilot, test, proof of concept right. are words that I think should live within your marketing. Right. In, in right. my case, you know, Amazon has all different kinds of products. On Amazon, the business was started with books, mm -hmm. right? So you can find a lot of authors that are launching their books mm -hmm. and leverage that as a product you get started and then show technology companies or other clients other types of products over time. Just like Amazon evolved from selling books to selling widgets to selling baseballs to selling vacuum cleaners, selling washing machines. Mm -hmm. A book is a physical product with a target audience based on genre. Mm. And you have a lot of authors that need exposure for their books but you're rinsing and repeating your system. Mm -hmm. So you want to find products that you can work with people on that are easy for them to adopt your portfolio, that the barrier and the fear level is lower, and then test your success story, and then you can move it to other products easier. Mm. Okay. That's actually an interesting approach. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I have, I have a follow-up follow question around that. You know, so one of the challenges i think when it comes to targeting low-hanging fruit versus targeting our ideal customer you know so you touched on something there which is uh, actually very in line with how we see our solution 
80% of product catalogs are going unpromoted. You know, so you talked about those underperformers. Why are those underperformers not performing? A lot of times they're just not worth promoting relative to their best performers or top 20% because they're not, the return is not worth the resources that are going to go into it. Yep. You know, but with that, with that in mind, we found that our ideal customer and a customer that's getting, seeing the quickest adoption is going to be at an enterprise level. But those sales cycles often can take a lot longer and the deals that we do have, the files we do have are warm. So when it comes to balancing, okay, the right customer versus customers that can validate your solution, lower hanging fruit there, how might you maybe recommend navigating that, that environment? Yeah, I think, you know, a couple things. Ideal, finding the ideal customer is something that's taught in business schools all the time, entrepreneurship programs, and makes perfect sense. Unless you die while you're trying to sell it. Right. Right. Exactly right. So if you're if you're dead, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Right. So right. my thing would be, how can I prove my process? And my ideal customer is anyone that allows me to to prove my concept and process. And then over time, march through the kind of the corporate hierarchy for that enterprise client. Mm. The other thing that is interesting with larger clients is, again, I'm going to restate this. People are not going to choose a new upstart for something that is going to get them fired. Right. It's not going to happen. Right. People will choose a new upstart when they're chasing something that's innovative. Mm. So you might want to portray your e-commerce play with Amazon tools as a testing platform for new and innovative ways to sell products on Amazon. Hmm. Now, now that person that is that buyer that needs to now move more product in that e-commerce platform is like, you know what? I always need new ideas. Mm-hmm. I've got five products that are struggling, two products that are in beta. Here's some things that I want to test and try. I'm willing to put five grand, 10 grand into working with these young folks in their new way of thinking about e-commerce marketing with Amazon. Changing the narrative. Changing the messaging and the narrative. Right, right. That is right. very important. Now, to you, what do you care? What do you care if you're a testing platform or a pilot platform? if your ideal customer is now bringing you into the fold. Mm. 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 And so a lot of time, our messaging of what we are, who we are, what we do, is misaligned with the fear and the risk and the reward motivation of the person we're trying to convince. And that's what you've got to align your messaging with the person that you're trying to convince. Right, right. That's good. That's good. I love I love when you give these responses because I I'm always looking for follow up questions and it's yeah, like it's awesome. served so well. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, so we'll, we can bounce around topics if that's good with you. You know, just so we can get some diverse feedback and things like that. You know, so you talked to, about diversity and inclusion. I know that's what you you're really focused in on with Walk West. You know, so how do you see that that I guess that mission changing, not necessarily with Walk West, but on a, a national scale, scale and even a global scale over the next two to three years. You know, when you see the protests, the Black Lives Matter protests, you're starting to see a lot of these uh, new movements coming up. 
how do you see uh, things changing over the next few years regarding the public perception over minorities and uh, different groups like that? Is there, is there anything that's very macro that you see changing? Yeah, so let's look at it from a business lens versus just a social lens. Okay. So the CEOs that I'm talking to want to understand how to incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion into their talent acquisition programming. CEOs that I'm talking to want to understand how to create diversity, equity, inclusion programming into their marketing and messaging programming. Mm. Because the demographics of the United States are changing, and that doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. That's just right. Fact. right. If the demographics of a nation are changing and you're doing business in that nation, then you have to have a multicultural language, a multicultural language skill set that is not there today in many companies. So companies are looking for people that can link the emotive and the economic drivers around DEI. So what I see in the future is that those that can incorporate diversity, equity, inclusion as a part of their brand mix, as a part of the DNI of how they do business, are going to align with the, what I, what, not what I call, what people call the triple bottom line. Mm. right mm. and that triple bottom line has to do with social right environmental and financial mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so that full sustainability of an organization is real mm. right and so therefore that trend is what some people ask me all, all the time is dei going to be a fad and i said well let's not think about it like that let's think about generationally do generation z people want employers who are socially conscious and fiscally conscious and environmentally conscious? The answer is yes. Therefore, because DEI is a part of that, it's not going to be a fad. What okay. is loudest are the people in power currently that are resisting a change to the future. Do you remember when people thought that rap music was gonna be a fad? I do. Now it's 60% of all music consumed. <laughs> With, with something that starts out as a fad, moves into a trend, and then becomes a part of the cultural fabric, you can either be on the front end and a leader and adopt it and win, or you can be a spectator. But DEI standalone is not really the conversation that I'm having as much. It's really how does it interrelate into building a winning culture that creates a dominant presence for a company. I agree. I, li I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah. And that, you know, that gets me thinking kind of around, uh, you know, you're seeing it in the investor landscape as well, that these uh, companies are investing into, you know, those benefit corps with that are focused on triple bottom lines and actually getting better returns, you know, so now it's not just do the right thing. Now it's these businesses are making you more money too, you That's know, exactly so right. it, it's mm -hmm. when, when you're pitching your business, like you have to have in your pitch deck, how you're going to help people, profit, and planet. Mm -hmm. right. All three. Right. Right. right? And, and get legs. And to your point, it's now becoming uh, statistically relevant in terms of those, those companies that think about that triple bottom line are, are becoming more successful. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And we, I think we have maybe time for one more question here. You know, so I have a question around raising capital, specifically in this area. Really hard. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> I've been experiencing that. <laughs> you know, 
It's right. really hard. Right, right. Especially <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Here's your next question. Raising capital as a person of color, it's even harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Raising capital as a person of color in a pandemic, <laughs> it's really, really, really hard. All but forget about it, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that that's it's definitely changed our perspective and kind of how to approach it, you know, and we've gotten good leads, we've gotten good leads, but you know, it feels like we get to these points and the finish line just keeps moving. It's like, okay, I want to see this. And we do that and a little bit more. And it's like, well, I kind of want to see this. One, is that common, you know, moving the goalpost? And is there something, uh, is there a preventative measure that maybe, you know, you would recommend founders to kind of consider when they're having these investor talks and thinking about how can we shorten uh, time to cash? Yeah. I, a couple things come to mind. One, when people continually move the goalpost, it's a polite no. Mm. Right? Mm. You just got to be careful of whether or not people want to see something. See, the way you ask the question is a little different, or the way I would answer the question. If somebody keeps moving the goalpost, that's a polite no. If somebody says, when I see these two or three things, I'm willing to invest at this amount. Mm-hmm. And, that's, mm. and that's a requirement for them to be a part of your vision. Right. That's right. different than them saying, hey, keep in touch, really love what you're doing. Hey, when you do X, Y, Z, like, call me back. I really want to take another look. Right. That's right. a polite mm. no. Right? That's somebody, somebody that's serious in their intent, right, will say, you know what? Like what you're doing, like you guys as a founding team, like you all as a founding team, excuse me. And I need to see these couple things before I can really take things to the next level. Mm-hmm. Right. And then your follow up is, OK, when we do these things, right, right, is a check forthcoming. Right. And you want to make sure that you're, you're doing their time to cash in the investment space is still a function of the number of people that you talk to so that you continue to hone your message. You're only looking for if you're in the angel round, still in that that seed round before venture. I don't know your complete business, but let's say, you know, how much money are you trying to raise? Let me ask that. Uh, 500,000. Yeah. So you're still in the seed round, like perfect, perfect. Cause I've experienced in that space, right? If you were saying I'm right. trying to raise 50 million, I'm probably not, I've never done, never done that, but half a million dollars, different things is, is in my swim lane. It's a function of talking to enough people that believe in you and your vision. Right. And when you do that, you're only looking for a handful of people that believe in you and your vision. It's not, you don't need a hundred. Right. 500,000 is 10 people that can write a $50,000 check. Mm-hmm. Five people that can write a $100,000 check. Right. So the numbers aren't insurmountable. And when you do talk to people and they tell you no, the biggest learning is why not and why not now. And you right. ask them to be as truthful as possible so that you can learn. Right. So that you really take it on the chin, but that you can learn. And, and go forward from there. So Malik, I've enjoyed it, my friend. The questions were, were great. I hopefully they were helpful. No, these are great responses. Thank you. And you know, if I can be of service to you, let me know. Great, thanks so much, Donald. This was super helpful. I look forward to reconnecting again soon. All right, man, talk soon. Awesome. I doubt, I fear, I question my drive. I tell myself I'm worth it. No one's perfect, I gotta try. I'm working at my craft. This podcast is edited and produced by Earphones. If you're looking for more information on how full-service podcast production can amplify your voice, build your community, 
visit earfluence.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on the Donald Thompson Podcast.